Just over in the glory land. That's a good one. There's just a smidgen of you over here. Y'all hold it down over there. And uh, Maley and Neil. Yeah, that's right. They're both. They was both misbehaving a while ago. <laughs> Don't instigate her, brother Neil. All right, First Peter chapter two, as we continue our series on a changed life, and uh, looking at this very interesting passage, we'll begin with verse eleven uh, tonight. The power of a changed life. This uh, verse eleven, we'll just uh, uh, take off on on this and talk about it for just a second. And moving on, we're going to be looking at how to be an example before other people. How to be an example before other people. God's Word has some very interesting things, extra, well, advice that we don't think would be in there, but it is. In verse 11, it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. I've heard before somebody say one time, don't do as I do, do as I say. And uh, of course, that's being a hypocrite. Whenever you say, don't do as I do, but do as I say. There's a lot of times that people do this in the world. There's hypocrites on job places. Of course, there's hypocrites in churches. We'll deal with that in just a second in this passage uh, this is definitely a worldly principle. We, the Bible says, you and I are to be examples. So right off the bat, Peter says that there's, you're going to have a battle, dearly beloved, abstain from fleshly lust. Peter fought this battle. Matter of fact, if you back up to the book of Luke, and we're going to look at a few other passages along this. Book of Luke chapter 22 in verse 31, we find out that Peter, of course, he, he battled pride. He battled a lot of things. But in Luke 22 and verse 31, Jesus told him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Well... Guess what? My, my flesh, I've got a tempter. And my flesh is usually my biggest problem, our biggest problem. Why? Now, why, why would he start this segment to abstain from fleshly lusts? Don't do, remember, we don't need to do what our flesh tempts us to do. When you're with somebody who tempts you, when you're with somebody who aggravates you, when you're with somebody who drives you nuts, it's easy to get in the flesh. Amen? (laughs) It's easy to get in the flesh when somebody on your workplace never does their part of the job. It's easy to get in the flesh whenever your spouse does that one thing they know aggravates the fire out of you. It's easy to get in the flesh whenever you're around a lost person that uses God's name in vain constantly. And so that's why he's starting out here. If we're to be examples, realize this. You live in a fallen world in a fleshly body. You're going to have 
temptations. It's this constant battle. So before you go back to First Peter chapter 2, uh, go kind of halfway, not quite, but Galatians chapter 5. Let's just hit that real quick. The, what I call the works of the flesh. So Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. There we go. Galatians 5 and verse 19. It says, now, the works of the flesh are manifest. So I'm, I realize that I'm going to fight this battle. It's going to be a constant battle. Peter dealt with this battle. And it says the works of the flesh are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, which if you have these things, uh, you've a lot of times we say, well, we've not done these things, but we've all done these things. We've all put things ahead of God, witchcraft. We say, well, I haven't done that. Hatred, but we've done that. Variance, emulations, wrath, strife. We've all had a strife. Seditions, heresies, envyings. We've all envied. We've all murdered with our tongue, at least. We've uh, said mean things about people. Drunkenness, revelings, and the such like, which I'll tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things, and that means habitually, with no remorse, shall not inherit the kingdom of God because they're not saved. And it says, uh, and then of course one of the most famous passages, it says, and if you back up to verse 17, it says, this is a constant battle, the flesh lusteth against the spirit. I like what Paul says in Romans Chapter 7, just backing up a little ways. This is something that many of you know about this verse. Romans seven nineteen. Romans seven nineteen states this. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Wait a second. You're saying I, I'm, I try to not to do this and I do that and I don't want to do this. I need to do that, but I don't do that. And so it's a constant battle. Now it says in verse 20, Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find a law that when I would do evil, do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But if you skip down to Romans seven twenty-four. It says this, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? So all of this, on this first verse, there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit to avoid the desires of my flesh. When Paul said that, back in Romans 7, when Paul said that, he was saying the things that I know to do good, I don't do. And the things that are bad that I shouldn't do, I do those things. And it could be anything from just sticking our foot in our mouth to reacting angrily to something or somebody. It could be any of those things that we struggle with. But when he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? Folks, one of these days we're going to be out of this old flesh. We want, Did you know one day you and I won't have that struggle anymore? You won't have the struggle of sin and the Spirit's in me. The Spirit wants to serve God, but your flesh, well, as the Bible say, our flesh is what? Weak. It is, and it struggles. 
back to our text in First uh, Peter chapter two. So I, I, I need to be an example. I need to do right. We've read verse 11. Let's look at verse 12, which I just call being an example to others. So first Peter chapter two, verse 12, it says, having your conversation or manner of living honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil or they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. The biggest problem in the 150 years existence of Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church is hypocrites. The biggest problem our church has ever had and still has today is hypocrites. Now, especially here in the Bible Belt, there's so many churches. There's so many uh, people that go to church and live one way at church and live another way outside of church. But did you know a lot of times people who get mad and go to another church, then they find out there's, they're there too. Because they're in every church. Every, every church and all of us have been hypocrites at one point in time. I'm a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Have you ever said one thing and done another? Yes, we have. We've all done that from time to time to varying degrees. Hypocrites in the church are unloving, uncaring. They're in other church. Uh, main thing in looking at this, if you look at verse 12, having my, just go ahead and make it personal. Having my manner of life, it says conversation, just change it to manner of living or manner of life. Honest among, <clears throat> just when it says the Gentiles, it means just other nations, other people. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You know, Peter, as he's reading this, he's saying, when people see your life and your example, even though they may call you names, even though somebody may say something mean against you, how do you react? I just got through reading verse 11. It says, don't give in to your flesh whenever the world falsely accuses you or anybody falsely accuses you. If you back up to Matthew when Peter's saying this, did you know he's, he's reflecting back? I remember several years ago when Jesus said something like that. And a matter of fact, he did. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus said this. Let your light so shine before men that they what? May see your good works and they may and glorify your father which is in heaven so folks when people see the way you behave and the way you react when the world attacks you when people or whatever happens in your life when people see your reaction they'll know two things they'll know if you're real and they'll want to know, they know if they want to go to church with you. Did you hear me? 
when people see you go through adversity, they know if you're real. And they sure figure out if they want to go to church with you or not. You ever thought about that? So I've read it here in the words. In my Bible, it's red letters. And then over there, Peter says the same thing with different words. I remember one time, Taylor said about my preaching, she said, Well, Daddy preaches every Sunday, but all he does is just use different words. It's the same message. <laughs> same message, just different words. Well, did you know that's what, that's what Peter's saying, the same message. He's just using what? Different words. People are watching you. People are watching you. And the whole reason you should be an example is why? What is this whole church about? What does that say? What does our Bible say? Glorify God. Does your life and my life glorify God? Have you ever thought about that? The way I live, does it glorify God? The way our church behaves, does it glorify God? The things our church is involved in, does it glorify God? When I speak... Does it glorify God? That answers your question. Again, does our life bring God glory? The way we act, the way we talk, the way we treat other people. It says in verse 12, so I'm back to 1 Peter chapter uh, 2. Matter of fact, uh, verse 13. So this, I'm just going to read verse now verses 13 through 17. And what I've, looked, what I've looked at the main part of verses 13 through 17 is this. Do you live a consistent Christian life in your conduct and your character? Okay, now this is talking about work. Are your president, your governor, we have Governor Mike Beebe, we have President Barack Obama... We have representatives, we have senators, and you're fixing to get into even more your workplace. You have a boss. If you're retired, it's probably your spouse (laughs) or whomever. All of us answer to somebody, it may just be the Lord. But look at verse 13. 1 Peter 2.13, submit yourselves to every ordinance. I remember whenever I was pastoring in Texas in the 90s, a big thing that went through it is kind of, I think, died down. It was called the Republic of Texas. And it was people trying to go back under the, they said we were wrongly annexed by the United States in 1836. And I say we are Texans. And uh, so therefore we don't have to answer to the laws of the land. They still wrote them tickets. They still put them in jail. So it didn't matter. And also that's unbiblical because it says here to submit, our, submit ourselves to every ordinance of man. Of course, we, we know the Bible balances that out with many examples and verses that we don't have to obey the laws of the land if they defy God's word. And there's, Daniel, is a, that's an easy example to point to. They passed a law and said you cannot ever pray to any other entity besides the king. What Daniel do? He prayed anyway. See what I mean? And uh, they said, passed a law and said when you hear the music, this is three Hebrew children, 
you have to bow before the statue. Did they bow? No. Did it cost them their life? Yeah, well, it could have, but they just said, if whether we burn up or not, we're not going to bow down to the statue. So, and then Peter and John, remember when they said, whenever the city officials told them to hush, you cannot preach anymore about Jesus. Remember what the, they told the city officials, whether to obey men or God, we cannot help but speak the things we've seen and heard. So the only time we are not to obey the laws of the land, if it defies God's word, if it's point blank, most of the time there's not those point blank things. Uh, there will be, there will come a time, I guarantee you, whenever, uh, I'll give you a, for instance, probably what it'll come to in mine and your lifetime. Whenever we're forced to, you know, we believe here at Promised Land that the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin. But what if we were forced by the laws of the land to accept that lifestyle in the well, you're obviously going to have to make a decision then whether to obey the laws of the land. That'll probably be because it'll be considered a hate crime. Matter of fact, did you know churches are already being sued in Canada over this? They're being sued and forced to shut their doors over that, that law. And because it's considered a hate crime to refuse of any sexual orientation. Well, that's what it's coming to. And you say, well, that'll never. Don't say never. It'll happen. And uh, don't know when, but it will. So submit yourselves as a king being supreme, verse 14, or unto governors as unto them that are sent uh, by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so, no, okay, so you're obeying all these people in verse 13 and 14, and then in verse 15 it says, For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may... Uh, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. What this basically means is that I, I'm going to, even though I'm a Christian, it doesn't mean I'm outside the law. I should obey the laws of the land. We're to pay our taxes. We're to get, matter of fact, even get involved in political process. And, 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 and you have a Christian that can, uh, and we do. We have elected officials in our church here. And to be involved in the political process, did you know that if Jesus and Paul can stand before elected officials, or even appointed officials, the Caesars and the governors that they stood before, and stand. And they were when they stood before them, they were prisoners. Remember, surely as free people, we can stand before them and speak well of the Lord at the same time. All of this is, you know, looking at verse sixteen. It says this, as free, not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. In other words, what this harmonizes with is back in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. The Word of God says this, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, or in other words, freedom, only use not liberty as an occasion for the flesh. But by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in this one word. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
But you say, I'm free. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. Even though we say, I'm forgiven, but we're still held accountable for the way we treat other people. Inside the church or outside the church. And then, of course, back in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, is a good summary of all this. All right, which is this, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, how many of you would admit that you, at one point in your working career, have you ever had, uh, let me put it, a not nice boss? Anybody in here ever had a not nice boss? Several of okay, you're being honest, yeah. And uh, hopefully you've not been, <laughs> The main boss, okay? Hopefully none of us have ever been. But did you know this, what it's saying right here in the next few verses? In the next few verses, all of us have had good bosses and bad bosses. It says, and now all of this, what is the topic of all this? We are examples before other people. I'm examples of people at, in my round, the way you obey the laws of the land, the way you react when people uh, uh, say things mean against you. The, how do you behave? Now, how do you behave on the job place? In verse 18, 1 Peter 2, 18, servants be subject to your masters, your bosses. With all fear, the word fear means respect. It doesn't mean that sometimes your boss behaves respectfully, but we're to respect the office. Not only to the good and gentle, but also if you have, it says, a froward, if you have a King James Bible, a froward boss, it means an unjust or unfair boss. That's what that word literally means. If you ever, if you work for them, so you're to be subject, you're to be obedient, even whether it's a good boss or a bad boss. I'm thinking of all the jobs I've had through the years. I remember starting off uh, in my working career for the public, mowing yards. Haven't we all started there? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Brother Lee's ending there. He's, he's mowing yards. And uh, so, and he's got a lot of other things in in irons in the fire, but I remember I had a three dollar yard and a five dollar yard. <laughs> I did, you know. And one time I, I was talking to a fellow. He said, "Well, that's nothing. I had a fifty cent yard." And the other fellow didn't want that was standing beside us. Didn't want to out. He, well, my goodness, I had a yard. It was so bad they paid me. I mean, excuse me, I had to pay them to mow it. And uh, so that's really getting in, into the yard. And then I had a job the next summer. I remember the summer after my junior year working at a convenience store uh, where we sold fishing bait. And I remember I never forget the time that I forgot to turn the water off the minna uh, container. And uh, they, a fellow come in there to pay for gas. And he said, hey, are there supposed to be minnas in the parking lot? I said, no. There's not supposed to be minnows in the parking lot. I ran out there. They were everywhere. I tried to save them all. And uh, then the next summer after my senior year, I was electrician's helper. The next time I was going to seminary, I worked at Walmart. First time they ever run across those scanner machines. We had the old-fashioned cash registers and uh, had those things. And then I went, especially when you're going to seminary and you're single, you have a lot of odd jobs, insulated houses. I worked at a copper tube plant. Ended up at the sawmill. Uh, I bailed hay for years uh, for one of my church members. Ended up becoming a painting contractor and then a roofing contractor. And did all of that. And there's been some good ones, 
and some bad ones. That all of you can think of different people that you worked with and worked for. Does the Bible tell us? This is kind of neat that the God's Word would give us information. Okay, now listen. Verse 18 tells you to be respectful, right? Even whether you have a good boss or a bad boss. Why? Did you know God's Word answers the question why? Verse 19. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory... And then he goes on to say, hey, listen, you better be a good worker. You better be a good worker. Number one, you're representing me, the Lord. Because verse 20 says, if you're a foolish worker, if you're a bad worker, for what glory is it for when you you be buffeted for your faults... That you take it patiently. But if when you do well, in other words, you work well, and suffer for it, you take it patiently, what does the Bible say? This is acceptable with God. Hmm. This is acceptable with God. All of us have had those rough times in our life. Those things that we've been through. And I just want to end on those verses. That last verse, the end of verse 20. That's the whole point of this message. That we're, What was the title? That we're to be examples before others? And I want to ask you this. How you live before others, how you behave, how you conduct yourself, how, how you talk to people, how you treat people, how you, all of these things. Folks, if God's Word can say all this concerning how we behave around the laws of the land, how we behave with our bosses, the whole point is this. Could you say the last part of verse 20? is a summary of your life right now. Could you say tonight, my life is acceptable to God? Did you know your life can be acceptable to God? Nowhere does it ask in that Bible for us to have a perfect life. But it does say we can have an acceptable life. Do you know it says that you can separate yourself and say, I'm going to serve God. Separate ourselves from what? The world. Are you going to do battle with the flesh? When you get on at the job site and, and that boss or that coworker goes off on you and gets in your face. The other day, Karen was mentioning to me about an incident that she had with a coworker, and uh, and then just her reaction. One of her other coworkers said. If I had had a bat, it wouldn't have been pretty. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, Karen, you did the right thing. All of us have had incidents. All of us have had incidents like that where you just where you react rightly or wrongly. But the whole point of all this is in the Bible right before you. That our life may be what? Acceptable. Did you know that according to this right here, it can be? You can be acceptable to God. I need to be 
an example to my friends. I need to be an example before my co-workers. I need to be an example to my family. Or even, let's knock it real close to home, can you be an example to your spouse, your kids, your grandkids? Can you be an example? Because guess what? They're going to model what they see. Remember what I started out in the introduction, I said, the world says that, hey, don't, don't do as I do, do as I say. No. Our say needs to match our do. We need to, our talk needs to match our walk, so on and so forth, as we prepare for a hymn of invitation. May that be our prayer this evening, that my life would be acceptable before Him that I would be the kind of example that others around me are seeing or watching. That they know us. They know us better than anybody.